0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole 9 Draft Podcast. I am not your host, Josh Berg. Uh, he's in the middle of moving right now, so he's unable to join us today. So it is me, Alex Katzen, your co-host. Uh, I'm joined by a very special guest today, and that's Tyler Haberski from Whole 9 Sports and Panther's Brawl Network. Uh, how's it going, Tyler?
1: Uh, it's doing great. You know, I'm excited to be on here for the first time, and, you know, uh, thank you for having me on. I know J- Josh couldn't make it this week, but I'll do my best to fill in for him.
0: Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on on such short notes. Um, So there's a reason why we brought Tyler specifically on for this episode, and that's because uh, we've reached the next step of our seven-round mock series, and that's the Carolina Panthers, who are Tyler's favorite team. Um, So we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But first, we're going to do a scouts report, talk about two guys that we uh, really liked out of Combine Week last week. And then we're going to do a new segment, uh, draft superlatives. So uh, if you think about like a high school yearbook, those like most likelies, uh, we have three questions that all three of us answered. Josh answered them remotely. So we're going to go through Josh's answers as well as the two of ours. Um, Before we get started, though, please remember to uh, follow us on all the social medias. Uh, You can follow Josh at JoshBerg0611 on Twitter. I'm at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K. Uh, follow the show at home at WN Draft and then follow Tyler at Tyler Habursky. Right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's H A B U R S K Y. Make sure you give us a five star review wherever you're listening. We really do appreciate all of those. And I th- make sure you follow Whole Nine Sports, of course, at Whole Nine Sports. And I think that's all the plugs that we have. Um, make sure you're going to whole9sports.com, reading all of our articles. Tyler had a good couple articles come out this week. Um, oh, yeah. If you haven't read that all-name team <laughs> mock, that is yep. the greatest article ever written. So make sure you go check that one out.
1: Make I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it. Didn't include Bill Murray, the defensive tackle for William and, & William and Mary. So actually, Oh, yes,
1: see. Of- he- we had, we had a timer for each of our picks, so we we're yeah, going yeah. real quick. Yeah. I'm glad you read that, though. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Um, with that said, though, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. Um, first segment up is the Scouts Report. As I mentioned, we're going to do two guys who we felt had really good combine weeks. Um, we'll start with my guy. I picked Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor, who's gotten a ton of buzz after the combine that he had. Um I've been on the Denzel Mims train for the entire season. Obviously, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I am the big lead Big 12 analyst for Whole9 Sports. I watched a lot of Big 12 football this year. Um, I've been pounding the table for Denzel Mims in every article that I've ever written. And he showed up at the combine. Uh, 438 in the 40, 38 and a half inch vertical jump, 6.66 three cone. Just really good athletic profile all around. I've seen some buzz now that all of a sudden uh, people think he's a first-rounder. Maybe he's jumped T. Higgins in the people's wide receiver rankings uh, because T. Higgins didn't work out, even though he said he was going to and then just decided he wasn't anymore. Um, but, yeah, someone who I really, really like, I have him as probably my wide receiver five behind Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, Jefferson. Um I think he should be a first rounder. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder. I think someone's going to be able to get him in the second round, and that's uh, terrifying because it means that the chiefs might get him and I hate that a lot. <laughs> How do you feel about mims Tyler
1: yeah so four three eight at was two two hundred and some change pounds yeah two hundred and seven um, two hundred seven yeah, so you know, I knew he was athletic, I knew he was a freak as you know. Um, he stayed for his senior year there at Baylor, but I didn't know. I was not expecting that. And he also, yeah, as you said, tested really well in the you know short shuttle and three cone, which is it's be, it's become a topic of you know concern for some of us because you know I don't know if you've seen, but this year um, some of the times are really low and um, yeah, kind of rough um, for that. But no, I think what Mims did. Um, Friday at the con or you know Thursday at the combine pretty Thursday much night, yeah. yeah Thursday night just pretty much um, you know proved what he was on film because everything that he did there is on film you know uh, the speed and then of course him going up for the ball is just a great ability that he has and we'll see about the round round one talks um, it might just be some you know recency bias to the combine but. He's definitely going to be one of the top ten receivers taken. We'll just have to see where, and then I'll be interested to see what team takes him to.
0: Yeah, me too. I think for Mims, um, his best traits really were things that the Combine were able to showcase for him. You know, like mm-hmm, um, yeah. His acceleration's really good. He looked really good in uh, on-field position drills, you know, high point in the ball. That's something that he's um, touted as being one of the best in the class at. Um, the main concern for him that I've seen is he didn't run like a super diverse route tree at Baylor. But if you look at the senior bowl practices, you look at drills of the combine, he's shown that he's able to run all those routes. He just wasn't asked to at Baylor. And so that's not really a concern for me. Um, And then you add in the fact that he's probably the best run blocking receiver in this class. And he's someone that like, I'm just totally in love with. And I understand not everyone is going to feel the same as me, but I love, Denzel Mims with all my heart uh this is a public opinion I've put this on Twitter it's now on the podcast if Denzel Mims busts out of the NFL I might cry (laughs) yeah you got a chance to talk to him
1: right at the senior bowl yeah yeah
0: we talked to him at the senior bowl he was a you know he's a great guy um hopefully we will be able to arrange some some kind of interview with him um obviously he's got a busy schedule coming up but stay tuned for that but yeah I think the, the one number that I keep looking at that stands out to me for him is a six six three cone when everyone, like you said, everyone else's times were bad this year. Like everyone else yeah. forgot how to run agility drills this year. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, like, and a lot of the talk has been about the schedule, right, of like moving it to prime right, time. Yeah. People weren't really sure how it was going to affect things. You know, some agents kinda leaked out that they might hold their top guys out of drills and kinda like put the mm-hmm. B tier guys in there, see how the schedule went. Um and I think we can all agree that it probably went not well for the players.
1: Probably not. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so we'll see how that we'll see how that breaks down next year. But um yeah, man. Denzel Mims is a god. And that's all I have yeah. to say.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean um, yeah, your, your boy, uh, from the senior bow, Brett Coleman did a video on him and he's, he's calling him for, to be the next, um, you know, mid round guy that everyone's sleeping on kind of like that, Michael Thomas. Yeah, and yeah. I think for Mims, you know, he is really, he's pretty decent, um, you know, laterally, but you know, as a linear player, kind of like DK Metcalf, you know, we're in the 4-3, you know, 6-3, he can go up and high point the ball. Right. I think teams just need to, you know, use them in the right role and then they'll yeah, be fine, definitely. you know. And so that's what I see from Mims. And, you know, you're talking about the combine a little bit with the schedule. I know, like, for a lot of the older guys and the older scouts, coaches, that was probably definitely an adjustment because they've got so many years with it being, you know, the same time schedule, and I know earlier in the earlier in the year they were talking about how they wanted to maybe move it from Indy, but that got shot down real quick just because a lot of the older coaches really just aren't don't want to you know go through change. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes from here. Cause I I heard it like threw off some of the meetings. Um, I don't know if you heard, but like they some of the meetings go on in like the train station um, in Indy. So um, I think that threw off some of the timing there, and then with like things after the combine like at, around the city I think it might have threw some of that stuff off so I'll be interested to see like if they change it soon or, or they keep this new schedule
0: for sure um, well another guy who had a good week despite the uh, iffy schedule is your guy that you picked uh, Kayvon Wallace who we've talked about on the show before but <laughs> since you are the guest we figured it'd be nice <laughs> to get fresh perspective on him uh, especially given the combine just happened so what'd you see that you liked out of him?
1: Right, yeah. So, I mean, I watched the whole combine, and, you know, Wallace, he tested pretty well, but as I was watching, I, nothing really blew me away during his test because, I mean, I only, only watched the 40 and hearing a 453. But um, I was watching Maddox in the drills, and to be honest with you, he looked like he'd never done those drills before. <laughs> um, some, <laughs> of, some of the backpedaling and, you know, coming downhill, which was, I mean,. A little bit concerning but when you look at the rest of his combine i think he came out you know a winner he was 5'11", of 206 um not great size but uh 31 inch arms you know nine nine and one eighth inch hands um ran the four, five, three, 40, 38 inch uh vertical uh 133 inch broad jump which is in the 96 percentile according to mock draftable uh six seven six three cone and then had 18 reps on the bench press so I thought he'd really helped himself there and um, you know it kind of shows what's on film because I think he's he's pretty twitched up and um, is explosive in a you know straight line and I think um, as a tackler he you know you've seen him struggle in some of the big games like against Ohio State and I think he's he's a good tackler when everything's in front of him but when he needs to adjust laterally you know I think that's where he struggles Um... Another thing with Wallace is I don't think he's going to be, you know, a single high type safety. Um, I don't think he's going to be much of a difference maker there, but I think he's one of the best nickels in the class and could also play strong safety. Um, You know, he's very instinctive, I think, overall, and some of the underneath zones. And, you know, he can even play some man coverage here and there, uh, you know, despite um, those drills that I said, you know, weren't great. And... um, yeah, as I said, just in the underneath zones, he was very instinctive, and uh, I also liked how he played the ball and how he attacked the ju- attacked the ball, and, um, sure. you know, he finished he finished with it and, you know, tried to jar the ball loose, um, mm-hmm. and he just never gave up on it. So, um, yeah, I still like Kevon Wallace after, you know, a few bad drills, but he tested pretty well overall, you know. It's starting to shape up to be a pretty solid safety class. I don't know about you, but, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, he came out and really shocked a lot of people with uh, his 40 and the way he tested. And then, obviously, Duggar, Chen, uh, McKinney, and Delpit, who, uh, you know, they ended up not being able to go through the combine. Right. But, you know, I'm just excited to see how the safeties fall in the draft and who ends up where.
0: Definitely, man. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Wallace as a nickel um That's something that I had only really seen recently, like pretty much post-combine. I don't know if that's uh, something that people had mentioned before this. Um, So I haven't really been – I haven't evaluated Wallace yet. I haven't really been up on, like the buzz on him. Um, But that's interesting that you say that because I do feel like as like kind of that nickel safety hybrid role, he probably fits a lot better in the NFL. Because like you said, he's never going to play single high He's going to be more of a strong safety in the in the NFL, and mm-hmm. but putting him as a cover two strong safety kind of like wastes his underneath coverage skills that you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really get to do that as much. But if you move him to nickel and you play him in like kind of a zone scheme, he kind of has more freedom to do kind of both those things that he's good at and kind of thrive in that role. Right. Uh, kind of similar to like the you know the nickel corners that played safety in college that we've seen the last couple of years. Uh you know yeah. you look at like chauncey Gardner Johnson, who went in the fourth round last year, uh played nickel very well for the saints this year yeah. as an example um, yeah so yeah. that's that's really interesting, and I think that is probably his best fit in the n f l um especially yeah. with these testing numbers, you know like they're all pretty solid, but none of it like you said, none of it really stands out in the safety class. I think you saw a lot of guys who performed just like absolute aliens um where Wallace's numbers kind of got lost in the shuffle. Obviously, that broad jump number is very good, ninety-six percentile, like you right. said. But because it happened in a drill that isn't televised, right? <laughs> like, didn't happen yeah. in the 40. <laughs> it wasn't the bench. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a three-cone like the drill ever, drills everyone knows that are either important or on TV. It uh, kind of gets lost, right? And so it's going to be interesting, like, what his stock is, right? Because it's like, do teams evaluate him as just a pure nickel corner? And put him up against guys like Miles Bryant, like Asang Bassi, guys like that, and kind of stack him up against those guys. Or team's going to be evaluating him as a strong safety, putting him up against, you know, like a Terrell Burgess, for example, right? right. Kind yeah. of in that middle tier. Um, Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, etc. Um, so uh-huh. it's going to be interesting, like, where his stock falls. And I think, like, if he gets in the hands of a very creative defensive coordinator, I think he could be someone who kind of, like, is a surprise impact player. But I think if he gets you know, stuck in kind of like a traditional, boring, like base scheme, he'll probably get right. kind of washed out by um, not being able to utilize that kind of positional versatility that he has at his disposal.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think Wallace is as big of a winner as Mims is that you picked, but sure. you know, um, just like what you said, I think the nickel brings the best of both worlds for him. I don't think he's going to be the over the top guy, but I think in the nickel, he can play the you know man coverage. He can fill in run fits and you know kind of do it all there. And like you kind of said, um, we've seen the league going. I mean, the, the league's been nickel for a while lately, but now that um, they're kind of going to more of a big nickel, look, you know, with three safeties instead of a corner out there. I mean, teams vary, but it seems like you know the three safety looks starting to grow. And I think. I think that just makes uh, Wallace all more valuable.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so we're going to move to our new segment, uh, draft superlatives. Like I said at the top, uh, this is three high school yearbook type most likely questions that all three of us have answered. Um, we're going to get right into it with the first one. Most likely to be a surprise first rounder. Tyler, why don't you go? you go first this time?
1: Um, Yeah, so I don't know if you've listened to um, the Combine uh, DJ and uh, Rich Eisen talk. You know, they did a great job. And, um, you know, I really respect DJ and what he does, but he has a lot of inside sources and, um, you know, kind of, you know, says stuff here and there that just voices his opinion. And I know um, a lot of people... um, You know, when I say the name A.J. Terrell, the first thing Mm -hmm. they think of is the national championship and how, you know, he got torched by Jamar Chase. And, yeah, so um, a couple of my friends actually lately were like, you know, somebody that could, you know, go into the round one. I was like, A.J. Terrell. And, like, the first thing they say is, oh, the guy that got, you know, who had a cover Chase. Yeah. Torched by Chase. Yeah. But, yeah, the thing is, like, I was always during the season, I was always like, you know, I feel like Terrell could be in for a big rise just as some of these cornerbacks start falling off. Like, I, I don't know yeah. if you remember in the preseason, like Paulson Debo, um, oh, yeah. he fell off pretty early into the season. I was like, hey, yeah. maybe Terrell could be a guy that rises up. And then um, before I really, like, got into the film, because I don't think not many fans of college football were really watching Clemson, actually. It seems like throughout the season, I, just because they watching. played – yeah, they were playing so many easy games, and they were over pretty pretty quickly, so I didn't really see them enough, but um, it was kind of a rude awakening, to be honest with you, when I saw them play, play against uh, LSU, but uh, yeah, anyways, DJ was saying that Terrell could be a guy that sneaks into the late first, um, and I think that'd definitely be a surprise. I haven't done his full oh, yeah. film evaluation yet, but you know... Yeah, I mean he de- the upside is definitely there, and he tested pretty well. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens there. He al- he also said, um, you know, I don't know if it, this was kind of a surprise to me. I don't know if it mm-hmm. should have been or not. But um, C.J. Henderson, he said he thinks will be the second cornerback off the board um, in the top ten to fifteen. So I thought that was interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I'm you know the cornerback classes, is you know people have them ranked everywhere and it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out
0: for sure Terrell is someone that I'm really high on I actually had a conversation with one of our fellow whole nine sports writers the other day about him versus Bryce Hall Um, so if you don't know I put out a three-round mock draft this past Monday Uh, go to Mm -hmm. whole9sports.com and read it because it's very long and I worked very hard on it Um, But I had A.J. Terrell in the second round and Bryce Hall in the third round. And one of our staff members texted me and was like, hey, what do you see in A.J. Terrell over Bryce Hall or over a guy like Bryce Hall, right? Um, Because like you said, you look at the national championship game, and obviously it's recency bias, right? You look at the most recent game that A.J. Terrell played, he was getting torched, yeah. But then you have to think about, like, the guys that he was playing against in that game, like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, those are all guys who, like, Jamar Chase is probably going to be wide receiver one in next year's draft. Justin Jefferson's yeah. probably going to go in the first round. Terrace Marshall's, you know, probably, like, a second or third round guy next year. But he's still, like, a high-quality college football receiver. Like, he's not getting burnt by scrubs, right? He's not getting burnt by some random guy yeah. in the place for Duke in the ACC, right? Like, he's getting burnt by, like, first-rounders. Right, uh, yeah. And so... He's someone that I'm really high on. Uh, someone else that I'm really high on, who I voted as my most likely to be a surprise first-rounder, is Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State. Um, I know I just talked about Denzel Mims. I said Denzel Mims should be a first-rounder. How many receivers can you possibly fit into this first round? That's kind of the golden question of this draft, right? Like, you know you have Jerry Judy. You know you have C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, probably Justin Jefferson. And then after those four, it kind of gets – a little murkier for people, I feel like. And definitely. Like and I've seen as as few as like five receivers in the first round and I've seen as many as like nine. Right. Where like you get in that second tier and you have LaVisca Chenault, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Jalen Rager, you have Denzel Mims that's in there now, you have T. Higgins, like you have all these guys that you can conceivably see going in the first round, and there's just not enough space for all of them. But This is one where you picked AJ Terrell because you had heard Daniel Jeremiah uh, put it out there, right, of like he has inside sources, he knows. Uh, I kind of have the same reasoning for putting Ayuk in here where when we were at the Senior Bowl in January, um, Jim Nagy said in his introductory press conference that no team that he had talked to throughout 2019 college football season had Brandon Ayuk ranked lower than they did Nikhil Harry at the same point in 2018, right? And Nikhil Harry right. went 32nd overall, and I think that most of us in the community, um, were probably higher on Nikhil Harry than we are on Vernon Ayuk now, but that's, it, you know, it was an interesting thing, and it stuck with me this whole time, because I can kind of see it, right, you know, he, Ayuk is a really versatile piece, um, he can play outside, he can play in the slot, can kind of do anything you ask of him. And I think teams are going to like that against kind of this more positionless defense that we talked about with Kayvon Wallace. And so I could conceivably see him going like, you know, mid-20s, early-30s, right at like the edge of the first round, maybe the second round, and kind of jump some of these other guys and maybe like be an unexpected guy that no one's talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess you could call me a Uke fan because, I mean, I'll put myself out there and say he's my wide receiver six. Um, There you go. Everyone has, you know, their receiver rankings all over the place. Oh, yeah. Mine go, mine go, uh, my one is Judy, two Rugs, three Lamb, four Jefferson, five Chanel, and six Ayuk. Uh, so, you know, yeah. So I'm a big Ayuk fan. And did you see that he came in and with that wingspan that was huge.
0: Yeah, he has the wingspan of yeah. like an offensive tackle. Yeah, it's insane. He's like an 80s like wingspan.
1: Five ten, five eleven, I think. Yeah, it's. It's crazy, you know. He ran that four five forty, and I don't think that really helped him, but I also don't think it hurt him either, because yeah, for sure. I mean, you see plenty of juice on film. That like the tw- he's so twitched up, and I mean, I do have some issues with him coming off the line, and you know he's a former running back too, so of course he's great, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands. But right. I think also for being his size, he, you know, in con- contested catch situations, he's pretty good too. So, I mean, it would definitely be a surprise if he went in the first round, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate on it too much. But even though I do have, like, a second-round grade on him, I can see why a team would do that. But sure. I feel like he's, yeah, he, he's in, clumped in that group with, like, Rieger, Hamler, uh, you know, Higgins, like, all those guys that we got to right. see how they, sort each other, how they sort themselves out.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that middle tier, uh, we'll just go over this real quickly since he's not here to defend himself um josh picked jalen rager the wide receiver from tcu Uh, if you've listened to the show before if you've heard of whole nine sports before you know that all of us here are big jalen rager fans at least all of us that have like a large presence on the internet by which i mean brandon (laughs) (laughs) brandon's a huge jalen rager guy you guys have heard the story before josh and i talk about jalen rager to keep brandon appeased so that the show doesn't get canceled (laughs) um which may or may not be why josh picked him here but uh that was his pick um moving now to our second superlative um this is kind of the opposite of the last one we we uh we wrote down most likely to be mr irrelevant um for those of you that don't know mr irrelevant is the last pick of the draft um it's kind of turned into like a weird social club where like they all get together and they have dinner and they do a whole thing um it's kind of funny actually i really like it um Josh picked Charlie Tamapeo, the tight end from Portland State. That's a really interesting pick to me. Um, can Someone who can play tight end or play fullback at the next level. He's gotten a lot of work at fullback uh, at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine. So interesting pick from him. I feel like a tight end is usually a good position to pick for Mr. Irrelevant. Last year's Mr. Irrelevant was a tight end. Um, but I went with a quarterback, and I went with Jacob Nipp from Northern Colorado. Tyler, have you heard of Jacob Nipp?
1: Oh, yeah, I I graded him, actually.
0: You did? I love you. Yep. All right, (laughs) fire. Um, Nip is a sixth-year senior at Northern Colorado. Um, He's the guy that took over as the starter after Kyle Sloter left. Um, Kyle Sloter, Minnesota Vikings preseason legend. Um, (laughs) And he's had buzz around him, like, for the last, like, three or four years from NFL teams. Um, He's someone who I remember I almost graded him in 2019 because – it wasn't really clear whether or not he was leaving or staying because he had already completed five years of college, obviously. Uh, really? Got the sixth year of eligibility, played this year. He's never finished a season. Um, he's gotten injured every year. Uh, I think he's had, like, two uh. major surgeries on his non-throwing shoulder. He's had knee injuries. He's, had, it, he's been all over the place. But I feel like a, a quarterback, especially, with that much buzz for that long uh, from NFL teams is going to get a shot and so I think it'd be interesting if like the la- if the team with the last pick in the draft just said, we're going to make sure that we get him into training camp first and see what we have before, you know, rather than bid for him on the open market.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I got. Yeah, like you said, a guy like that. That's always had buzz, um, you know, for so long, I think. You know, that's a good reason to at least, you know, make a Mr. Irrelevant. It's going to be interesting how, like, some of these small school quarterbacks pan out in the draft because I'd say that I'd say the top one of, like, the smaller school guys is probably James Morgan. I don't know if you, yeah, what you think about that. I love James Morgan. Yeah. I love small school guys. Yes.
0: This is right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think he'll probably be the first one off the board. I don't, I'm not (laughs) sure where, but, um, you know, with Nip, um, yeah, like I mean, to project to Mr. Irrelevant is such a such a hard yeah, it's thing such, to do. It's so hard I think it's just kind of a Yeah, play it's play just play yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of just a shot in the dark. Yeah. Shot in the dark. So I think um, you know, that's a good enough of a reason to, you know, maybe think, you know, some someone takes a shot on him before the um UDFA start going off.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, who would you pick, Tyler? And why did you pick Oh, uh, yeah.
1: So I went with Aaron Fuller, uh, wide receiver from Washington. Um in the, summer, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in the summer, yeah. Uh, in the summer, you guys probably know Brad Kelly. He's a you know big receiver guy on Twitter. Yeah. You know, he was uh, talking about Aaron Fuller, and uh, there's other people that are talking him up to be a top ten receiver. And you know, I could kind of see it in the summer, but I wasn't really all there. And after this past season, you probably know he didn't really have much of a jump in production. And yeah, really, yeah yeah kind rough. of a rough season, yeah rougher yeah a lot of a lot of the team there, yeah. so you know he was at he was at the combine, i believe, yeah, and he was, he was. yeah, he wasn't like a great test or anything, but i've always i mean I put a seventh round grade on him just because you know some of his route running and separation you know it's pretty decent, and I think you know taking a shot on him with the last pick, you know why not?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say that as a Huskies fan, I have a love-hate relationship with Aaron Fuller. Um, I remember when I came in as a freshman, one of my friends had gone to high school with him. And so we were always very excited anytime he did anything the first couple years, because he's the same age (laughs) as I am. But this year, right, uh, obviously John Ross leaves after after 2016, um, my first year there. And then Dante Pettis leaves, and it's like, okay, Aaron, time for you to step up <laughs> and be the number one receiver on this team and he just kind of never really like yeah it never him. happened like it never really happened for him and um someone who struggled with drops a lot this year i still can't i have to go back and watch but i haven't figured out if that's because it was such a stark contrast between jake browning throwing him like <laughs> literal pillows the entire year, and then Jacob Eason just, like, yeah, rocketing just rocket, footballs at yeah. like, 80 miles an hour at him, <laughs> and he just, like, didn't adjust until soon. Might game. have something to do with it, yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. you know, that's probably part of it, but he's someone where I liken it to, I don't know if you've ever played NCAA football 14. Cause you're oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, uh, I, I, no right. I have, yeah. All right, all right, good. So, you know how sometimes you're recruiting a wide receiver and they have a spec catch of, like, 89 and a regular catch of, like, 60?
1: That's Aaron Fuller.
0: Yeah, that's Aaron Fuller. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. If you've watched like Aaron Fuller highlights, you probably think he's the best receiver to ever watch, to play, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's making all these right. crazy catches where like he's throwing the ball behind the defensive back's head and then like catching <laughs> it with the other hand and still getting it yeah. down somehow. Uh, but if you watch the actual tape, it, like, yeah. he just drops slants all the time. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what yeah. the deal is. Um, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I like how you put that because I feel like. We see that a lot, actually, guys with, like, 60 catching but yeah, <laughs> 89 yeah. spec catch. You know, yeah. there's a lot of guys like that. So, so yeah, that's,
0: that's kind of, like, what I feel like Aaron Fuller is. And so we'll see if he gets a shot. I think he's probably not going to be ever anything more than, like, a wide receiver three, probably wide receiver four in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, if that. But I think he'll get a shot for sure. So, like, like right. you said yeah, with definitely. Nip, it's kind of the best way to guess Mr. Irrelevant is just take a shot in the dark. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Our final question that we have um, for the draft superlatives is the most likely team to trade back into the first round, um, whether it be for one of these quarterbacks, whether it be for another wide receiver because there's a billion of them, you know, whatever it may be for. Uh, Just trading back into the first round. Um, I went with the Indianapolis Colts, um, who currently pick at thirteen. I think that they're probably gonna take Jordan Love at thirteen if he's there, but <clears throat> I think that you could see them maybe pick up like that twenty-seventh pick from Seattle, trade back in, get their wide receiver that they really like. Um, that's a trade that I put in my mock. I don't think it was to Seattle exactly. I think it was Tennessee's spot actually, but I had them trade up and take a receiver, um, kind of get back into their first round, make sure that they get their guy at you know in that late twenty spot instead of. Um, at pick thirty-four, where they currently have their first second rounder, because of the Montez Sweat trade, um, I think you could see this too. Like if they get, if Jordan Love isn't there at thirteen, or if um they like something happens and Jordan Love's stock falls, like the quarterbacks don't go as high as we think they're going to, and mm-hmm. the quarterbacks kind of fall down the board, and they go a guy like Javon Kinlaw at thirteen. I think you could see them trade back up into like the early twenties, early mid twenties and try to get Jordan Love that way. <laughs> um, but I think they're definitely a team to watch, kind of in that in that later portion of the first round, kind of get back in there and get the fifth year option on someone they really like. Um, Josh yeah. went with the Denver Broncos. I don't know exactly what his rationale was, but I assume it's probably for an offensive tackle, um, with the assumption that they're going to take a receiver at 15. You know whether that be Ceedee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, whoever's there at 15, um, and then probably trade back into like the late 20s try to grab one of those, like, second that second tier of offensive line uh, prospects, or the other way around. Take uh, a Tristan Wirfs, a Jedrick Wills, a Andrew Thomas, again, depending on who's there at 15, and then trade back in and take the receiver that you really like of that second tier. Um, Tyler, you went with the Lions. Talk me through that.
1: Yeah, so the Lions, you know, they got the third pick. And I was always wondering, what is Matt Stafford's future look like? Sure. And that that got answered pretty quickly uh, this week in uh, ND, uh Head coach Matt Patricia came out and said, you know, Stafford's their guy. He's the reason I came to Detroit. Uh, it's just all business forward with from here with uh, Stafford. And it looks like that will be true, and he's going to be uh, their quarterback. So I think that kind of rules them out, um, going quarterback at three. And I also think that – makes them want to you know win now i think with Mm. patricia his window is you know he's kind of getting on the hot seat here yeah yeah. and if he doesn't turn this around real quick you know he could be done as a head coach in detroit so i think you know they could be a candidate to trade out of three you know maybe move back to five with the dolphins but um once they do that, they'll have more draft capital, and I'd maybe look in them to you know go from three up into the first round to take a guy that could you know help them more right away, and so they can secure sure. that fifth fifth year option, which is you know we all know so important. Right. So um, you know I could see them as a, um, a team for sure. And I, I also really liked your pick with the Colts because I think you know they're tra- them trading up all really depends on who's their guy and how are they going to get their guy to play quarterback because. Yeah. You know, we've seen um, we've seen them. You know, they're they're more of a team that's you know not going to pay, pay big money in free agency, and they they're going to want to move back in the draft. That's not to say they never will ever move up, but I think if they do move up, that it's going to be for their quarterback. So I'll be I'm always interested to see on what Indy does um, at the draft, just because you know how i love how the way they built their roster with so much depth all over the place and um we we'll just, we'll just gotta see who they get um uh you know at quarterback
0: yeah definitely i think for the lions it's interesting um so obviously they've been linked very heavily to trading down to five with the dolphins so that the dolphins can go up and get their quarterback of the future um most of those trades i think generally have the lions picking up pick 26 um With the reasoning just being that, like, the Dolphins have more assets in this year's draft that the Lions can use now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like you kind of touched on, Patricia's on the hot seat. I think GM Bob Quinn is probably on the hot seat as well. And so why pick up assets for 2021 and beyond in a possible trade for three when you don't know that you're going to be the people making those picks, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think in that sense, the Dolphins trade makes a lot more sense for them. But I I do like your idea, too, of, like, once they get those picks from that trade, if then they package some of those in a move up from 26 and kind of get back into, like, the middle of the first round and get someone who's going to be an impact player immediately um, Mm -hmm. and kind of make that playoff push right away to kind of save those two guys' jobs, I think that's a really interesting premise, and that's something that I hadn't really considered. So that's really really interesting, actually. All right. It's time for the main event, Tyler. All right. Are you, are you ready to fix your favorite team?
1: Um, probably not, but here goes nothing. <laughs> All right.
0: So, uh, as we've been doing for the last couple episodes, um, we did a seven-round mock. We've been going in order of the uh, 2020 NFL draft order. We're now at pick seven, which is Tyler's favorite team, the Carolina Panthers. Um, they've got a lot of needs. I think a lot of teams do at this stage before free agency starts. Um, so... With that said, um, they have all their, all their picks, are their own. Uh, they have their seven, you know, base picks that every team gets. No extra picks, no missing picks. So it's gonna be just seven picks, real easy. Um, we'll start at pick number seven, and we went with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Although there are kind of three guys that have been talked about at this pick, right? You've had Isaiah Simmons, you've had Derek Brown, and you'd have you you'd have Jeffrey Okuda and so we went with Simmons and I'm going to kind of let you take the floor as to why we made that pick um since you are the Panthers Mm -hmm. expert
1: yeah so once the quarterback um at seven uh talks kind of like came to an end um you know it still could happen but it's just looking uh less likely at this point um it's kind of just been between Okuda Brown and Simmons uh who who we take at seven and you know you can't look at three mock drafts and not see Derek Brown mock at seven to the Panthers. And I think, you know, after, you know, he kind of had a, a rough combine performance, but, you know, he's dominant on the field. And, you know, but I think out of the three that I mentioned, he's probably the most likely to be there at seven. Yeah, um, for sure. Jeffrey Okuda, maybe, but I feel like that's the Lions guy. And as long as yeah. the Lions are picking before us, I feel like he might be gone. And so that leaves the wild card in Isaiah Simmons. Um, actually, in our spreadsheet here, um, I listed him as his position is just defense because, um, you know, he plays all over the place. And I think he really reminded people of how, how great of an athlete he is uh, this weekend at the combine. You know, he came in at 6'4", 238, ran a 4'39". Um, as a linebacker, it was crazy. And, you know, a 39-inch vertical and 132-inch broad jump, which is freakish. And anybody that's out there that's seen Simmons play, it's just kind of remarkable to see him play, you know, so many different positions. And I think, you know, with the Panthers, they they got James Bradbury, um, Gerald McCoy, um, and then, of course, the retirement of Luke Keekly all um, kind of you know, leaving their defense up in the air. I think bringing a guy like Simmons could fill, you know, so many roles, and he wouldn't come in and be the next Luke Keekley, but he could come in and, you know, be that second-level player and make a big impact early on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember when I was watching Simmons' tape, there's one play – I forget exactly which team it's against, but there's one play where he literally starts off-screen because it's not all 22. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, like, the play's unfolding, and you're like, where is this man? Did this play just get included, <laughs> even though he's not on the field? And then all of a sudden, you see the ball get thrown, and he just, like, literally pops out of nowhere and just, like, clotheslines someone <laughs> down the sideline and, like, makes the interception and just runs it back. And I'm like, "Yeah, where, where did he even come from? I tweeted <sighs> out during the combine that Simmons is just straight up not from Earth. Like, he's not... Probably not. He's not a human being. He's something else. <laughs> It's wild. Yeah um before we get into the second round pick i realized i forgot if you're like what are you talking about you have three mock drafts in front of you um the way that we do this as we did as we have for all of them um me tyler and josh all hopped on to the same draft simulator uh the whole nine sports board on fanspeak.com and did a seven round mock draft for the panthers and then we compiled that all into we we picked our favorite picks of the three of us and then we put them all into one mock and that's the mock that we're presenting to you guys. So that's how we got there. Um, that's why you heard, like, I picked Akuda, Josh picked Derek Brown, Tyler picked Simmons, and then we picked Simmons. Um, and then same thing for all these other picks. So in the second round, now that you have a guy to replace Luke Kuechly, um, you touched on the Nita Corner with James Bradbury, a pending free agent. We went with Jeff Gladney from TCU, who's someone who Josh and I have talked about a lot on the show. Um, He's someone that we're both really, really high on, and um, someone who I don't know if he's going to be here at 38. Honestly, I think he might. He might be one of those guys that sneaks into the first round. Um, I've kind of had him climbing higher and higher into the first round in my mock, in my mock series, in my mocks. Uh, excuse me. Item um, at pick 20 to the Jaguars in this latest one. Uh, someone who I really like. I think he's really physical. He um, attacks the ball really well once it's in the air. Uh, a little bit grabby, might struggle with some pass interference penalties um, to start with, but he's really scheme versatile. Uh, TCU's defensive scheme is really really complex, and so he's played a lot of different defensive schemes. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to like about Gladney, and so I really like this fit.
1: Yeah, definitely, I like Gladney, and I think. He's kind of fits the same mold as Dante Jackson, kind of that faster, more athletic corner. And I think you can do a lot of things, you know, mixing in man coverage, which in my opinion is the most valuable thing you can get from a corner because that's, man coverage is a lot about just sheer athleticism. I and mean, Gladian's ability to just stay on the hip of receivers is re, just really great. And he had a great battle earlier in the year with uh, your guy, uh, Denzel Mims. And that was uh, very fun to watch. And you know, he has some of the best feet in the class, and, you know, I think he'd be a great fit if he um, – I, I mean, I'd expect him to go around um, where we pick in the second round, give or take, but if, if he's there, I think that'd be a great pick.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, too, the familiarity with new Panthers coach Matt Rule is going to be interesting, too. Um, we'll have to see, like, how many Big 12 and Baylor guys – Uh, Rule decides to go with, um, and then two, like on the offensive side, if they decide to go with, you know, a couple extra LSU guys because of Joe Brady being there, it's going to be interesting. So I think this is a pick that makes sense and is a good fit as well. Uh, Moving now to the third round, um, this is the last pick where we know exactly what pick it's going to be. The NFL still has yet to release the compensatory picks, and so for the fourth through seventh rounds, all the picks on Saturday. Uh we don't know the exact position of them. But this is pick sixty nine. So I feel like uh the Panthers have already won the draft, honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so we talked about the needed linebacker, we talked about the need at corner. And now uh you touched on the first round pick, the need at defensive line as well. And so let's plug that hole. Um Tyler and I both picked Justin Matabuque, the defensive tackle out of Texas A and M, which is why he's the pick here. Um what do you like about him, Tyler?
1: Yeah, so going through this uh, interior defensive line class, it's ended up being a lot better than I thought, um, you know, with, you know, guys at the top like Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw all the way to, like, Jordan Elliott, uh, you know, Justin Matibuque, um Even, like, Raekwon, Dav- Raekwon Davis was actually a pleasant surprise to me. But with yeah. Matibuque, you know, he, um, he had a really good combine. And I don't know if you saw him in the um, – that new drill, the hoop circle, running the hoop, um, mm-hmm. showing off like a lot of bend where yeah, they had yeah. to pick up the I towels. He looked guys. really good know in if that. I
0: saw him out of UK specifically. Yeah. yeah I
1: definitely watched he, of he was, yeah, he was pretty good in that. And um, I thought overall he just moved really well at the combine and ran, um, you know, I think, think he ran four nines, which is good. And then on film, you know, he, uh, he just needs to put it all together I think. The upside is definitely there and he's he's had his flashes especially in the big games like against Georgia. Um, that was a big game for him and I think, you know, I don't even know if he'll make it to the third round but if he does, I think it'd be a hard pick to pass up on because he does bring that pass rush potential that, you know, is so valuable at the interior uh, defensive line position. And, you know, if we lost Gerald uh, McCoy, that would be a great fit to fill in there, as it also doesn't look like Don Terry Poe coming back either.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just went and looked, and he ran a 4.83 at 293 pounds.
1: Um, oh, wow, okay. Which yeah.
0: I, w- I would classify as pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I've talked about in some articles that I've written before that uh, defensive line is kind of a more low-key need for this Panthers team. Because um, I think people look at, like, the names that you had along that defensive line last year, and they're like, oh, they should be fine. It seems fine. But all of them are free agents. Like, I'm pretty sure FA Obata is, like, the only one under contract for next year. Maybe Kawan Short, too. But Kawan Short was on um, IR last year. Um, and yeah. so it's kind, of, it's kind of like a sneakier need for this team. And so I really like this pick, um, assuming that, like you said, you can't retain Gerald McCoy and or cut Dontari Poe for uh, cap casualty reasons, um, etc. You know, don't bring back some of those other guys. Um, someone who's just like, just as we touched on, just an athletic freak. You know, 483 at 293 pounds isn't really supposed to be possible. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, someone who moves you know, you know you're gonna That's almost as game. fast as
1: Jalen Elliott. Uh Jalen yeah. Elliott ran a four eight one.
0: Yeah, there you go. Right? And yeah. Jalen Elliott yeah. plays safety. That's crazy. Yeah, man. that it's, is it's yeah. insane. Wow. <laughs> uh, but so like you know you're gonna get someone who moves really well, has nice pass rush upside from the interior. Um obviously the Panthers probably would like to add some more help, uh pass rush wise. Um you know, probably gonna have high upside as a run defender but you might want to bring in like a zero one technique guy to kind of pair with him um to just kind of ensure that you're going to have a stout run defense i think matt roll is bringing his defensive coordinator phil snow from baylor and at baylor baylor ran a three four last year right so uh bika is probably more of like a three technique five technique guy is like a three four defensive end um so bringing in someone like to play nose tackle next to him is probably going to be something that the Panthers would have to focus on. But I really like this pick. as kind of like a versatile guy. You can kind of move him around, let him work against, you know, whoever you think is the worst athlete on an opposing offensive line and just have him blow that guy up.
1: Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um,
0: so the fourth round, we um, addressed a need that just came up today. Um, if you haven't heard the news... The Panthers have traded uh, guard Trey Turner to my Los Angeles Chargers in exchange for Russell Okun. Um, we don't know the full details of the deal yet. Um, it can't become official until the new league year starts on March 18th, but I believe it's been reported as just a straight swap. Um, so, mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately for <laughs> Tyler. Uh, very fortunately yeah. for me. I'm having a great time. <laughs> this is why I brought him on. I brought him on just to gloat about this trade <laughs> Uh, oh, that was rough. <laughs> um, so, uh, with that trade, the Panthers now have a hole at guard, and so in the fourth round here, we decided to go with Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette, who played tackle at Louisiana, and conceivably could play tackle in the NFL as well. But I, I project him as more of a guard. Um, I don't know how you feel about him, Tyler. But yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, kind of someone that. You can draft, kind of develop, see if he can turn into a Trey Turner-like player um, as his replacement. Um, obviously, the Panthers seem like they're kind of entering this rebuild phase. Um, and so giving guys some time to develop is probably something that they're going to be comfortable with. Um, like I said, if you absolutely need to, you could probably play him outside at tackle. You know, Russell Okun's contract is up after 2020. If you want to test him out at tackle, see how he does, That's pro- you know, that's probably something you could do. But again, I like him better as a guard and I like him uh I like this fit, you know. Give him time to develop as a guard, you know, transitioning from tackle to guard, um, on a rebuilding team, but still like at a good value. Um I think this is a pick that I could see happening for sure, and I I really like this fit.
1: Yeah, me too. Um on film I really like Hunt as just kind of a mauler. Um, you know, not the most athletic, but he's such a good run blocker and he'll finish you into the ground oh, and yeah. that projects really well into moving inside. And, you know, now that we traded Trey Turner um, there's just a huge uh, hole at right guard for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So, you know, we have that there. And so that could be a fit, um, you know, interior offensive line really wasn't like either of the guard positions were not much like on my radar before today. So yeah, I that, that could definitely see that as a fit.
0: Yeah. So this is kind of, this is kind of an on-the-fly candidate yeah. for that, right? Right. <laughs> like, um, so now, moving into the fifth round. Um, again, we don't know the final position of this pick, but right now, by fan speak, it's projected to be pick number 152. Um, we went with Courtney Davis, the wide receiver out of Texas A&M. Shout-out Footwork King, who we talked to Shout-out Footwork Hall, King. And yeah. only talked about Courtney Davis uh, <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> Uh, love that man. yeah um, always pumps up his guys. Uh That's was generous sure. enough to provide and if he talks about them on him. Twitter, he
1: loves you too. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, have, was generous enough to provide Brandon with some quotes about his other guys, say well Alana Lua, the running back from TCU. Um but loves Courtney Davis. If you haven't been to Footwork Kings Twitter, you should go. You'll recognize this very immediately. Um so <laughs> With that said, Davis is someone who's a very good route runner. Surprise, surprise. Um, his footwork coming in and out of routes is really, really good. Um, I have prop. My issue with him is mostly the drops. Um, you know, he kind of kind of struggles to bring the ball in sometimes. I think he looked good at the senior bowl, which is the last time that I really, like, watched him. Um, looked good at the senior bowl. You know, route tree looked good. Blocking looked good. The effort was there. Footwork obviously looked great, Um, and it's really just the drops. And if he can fix that, I feel like he can become an impact player um, in the NFL, but, like, I don't know how long that'll take. So, again, it's kind of a case of, like, giving him time to develop, seeing if you can fix that issue. Um, Obviously, we don't know what the quarterback situation looks like in Carolina beyond 2020. Um, Cam Newton is the guy in 2020, but then beyond that. Um, So, just – penciling him in there and just like getting him into onto the roster and letting him kind of work out some of his flaws as a prospect I think is uh, not the worst thing that you can do with a fifth round pick
1: Yeah no definitely not um you know Davis had like some hype before the senior bowl and how he was going to you know you know maybe even make a name for himself as like a you know day one day two player and you know he still could could go late day two but in Touch was a stacked um uh, receiver class I think you know he could be in for a little bit of a fall after not uh, you know impressing uh too much during this uh pre-draft process unfortunately mm-hmm. and I'm a fan of John Davis actually you know just some of that route running that he adds to his game and he's athletic on film too for sure and um but yeah I agree with what you said about him and some of the issues but um yeah i I feel like he'd be a great fit um, adding to our receiver core with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel because similarly to him, similar similar to them, he's so great after the catch. And, um, you know, you can just – I mean, in Joe Brady's offense, if you got guys and get your playmakers in space and, you know, just make one-man miss, you know, big things can happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, All right, so moving now to the sixth round, we got – Penciled in his pick 184 by Fanspeak. Uh, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like again. Um, we went with a guy who I liken as being pretty similar to Curtis Samuel. Um, that's Antonio Gibson from uh, Memphis. Sorry. <laughs> lost Completely completely lost track, what I was saying. Antonio Gibson from Memphis. Um, worked out with the receivers that combined. Worked out with the running backs at the Senior Bowl. Um, I view him as more of a running back. Um... Someone who, like I said, is very similar to Curtis Samuel in that way, kind of hybrid tweener role. I think in Joe Brady's offense, you can really get creative with how you're going to use him. And so I really like the idea of, you know, getting him in on some of those motion, like Debo Samuel type plays that they were talking about during the combine coverage, you know, the yeah, definitely. Debo campaign. <laughs> like getting him in on those, on those jet motion plays as a, as a receiver than also getting him in as like a kind of change of pace back for Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. um, here and there because I think you saw during the season, um, the depth behind Christian McCaffrey isn't exactly inspiring, and so <laughs> um, even though this is a six-round pick, obviously the uh, draft value of running backs has continued to go down the, you know, every year, and so a six-rounder for a running back is still a quality player in my eyes, and Gibson is definitely a quality player. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, but he's in my top 10 running backs right now. And, um, yeah. I, you know, I see him as a top 100 pick. So we'll see if he actually makes it to the sixth round. But as you said, you know, the running back position, it's so hard to value, especially like in the first round, you know. We might only – in such a great running back class, we might only see one guy go in the first round this year, which is – Yeah, definitely. Which is crazy, but that I also completely understand it. So, yeah, I think, you know, going into last year's draft, the Panthers – it. it, it Everyone was calling for, yeah, we need to bring in a running back uh, behind McCaffrey. He's getting too much work. And that was the year that we had C.J. Anderson for the first three weeks. Um, Didn't use him. Cut him. Went to the Rams and, you know, went on that nice run for them. And um, so we get to the draft uh, last year, and we take Jordan Scarlett out of Florida. And then uh, after the draft, we pick up Elijah Holyfield. And um, we also have uh, yeah, <laughs> he's still running, and um, still running. his forty. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, yeah. So we have we brought in solid depth behind him, but throughout the season, McCaffrey was still playing a hundred percent, ninety to hundred percent of the snaps on offense. It was just right. you know, even though he's balked up a little bit since he came to the league, that he's too small to handle that workload. Yeah, it's, it's unsustainable. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, nobody can do that. So, yeah. I, I mean, this year there hasn't been the talks that we need to bring in a running back. And the fans ha- and, like, other people haven't been calling that, but I still wonder why. And yeah. as much as Panther fans don't want to hear it, there is a chance McCaffrey could get traded if we go full in on this rebuild. And having another guy in there that could, you know, carry the workload and – just to kind of be a fan favorite for a little bit. Could be Antonio Gibson, who you know also tested really well last week. I think ran a four three nine at two twenty eight. Um, I mean, you know that's crazy. You know Gibson, yeah, kind of like what you said about you know Curtis Samuel. He spent time in the slot, but I project him to play running back at the next level. And you know he can also um, you know catch the ball too. You saw Clyde Edwards Lair last year for LSU with Joe Brady. You know catching the ball oh so I think sure. that's yeah I think that's very valuable for, uh a skill set that Gibson brings to the table
0: yeah for sure uh listen I'll give you Thomas Davis back if we can have Christian McCaffrey <laughs> that's my couldn't do off. it
1: <laughs> oh man no yeah I'm worried to see how this whole rebuild thing goes I mean I guess it all starts with Cam and you guys you guys are you know, it's so a serious contenders for trading for cam. Yeah. Okay, what heard, let's, so. let's
0: expand the trade. I'll, I'll take cam Newton too. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, we're still so. waiting
1: to pick from this last trade. We need, <laughs> we need some more from cam that. Newton
0: and cam Newton and Trey Turner for Russell Okun and Tarate <laughs> <laughs> Final offer. Uh, I had to think about that one. But <laughs> um, all right. So the last pick of this seven round mock, um, Greg Olson has already left the team. He's now a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so that means that there's a hole at tight end for Carolina. Uh, we went with c j o'Grady, the tight end out of Arkansas for this pick um, someone who I think is really intriguing and i don 't know if he 's going to be there in the seventh round, but I could conceivably see him getting there because he's someone who does have character issues you know left the, left arkansas's program in the middle of the season this year due to some off field incidents. Um, I thought he looked pretty impressive at the combine, actually. Obviously, like, we don't know exactly how he interviewed, and that was probably gonna. that's probably going to be the main thing that determines his yeah, stock. Yeah, definitely. But he's someone who, like, when he was on the field this year, and, you know, in 2018, if you go back and watch the 2018 tape, he's definitely an intriguing player. And I think in this, like, weaker tight end class, if a team is willing to kind of, like, overlook those character concerns, either because they're the Raiders or the Bengals and they just don't care – or because a team is confident that, like, he's put it in his past and it's, you know, and it's not going to be an issue moving forward. I think he's someone that you could see get bumped up a lot higher than this. Um, but this is a pick that I really like. I think he could develop definitely into someone uh, as a replacement for Greg Olson. Um, you know, as kind of that security blanket for whoever your quarterback is going to be, whether it be Cam Newton or someone else.
1: Yeah, I watched Grady was, one of the, oh, Grady was one of the first players I graded this draft season. And, you know, I liked him a lot, even though um, he kind of has that baggage that comes with him, you know, leaving the, the team midseason. And then I, I've heard of some other off the field issues that I'm not sure of, mm-hmm. you know, at the moment what they are. But, um, you know, he has he has the receiving ability that the league's going to and he can create separation and make catches through contact, which was what I like most about him. And, you know, he might – he should be around in the 6th, 7th, and, you know, he may even go undrafted because of just some of the off-the-field issues, and we know how the NFL feels about those, and rightfully so. Right. But, um, you know, I think in, a, you know, a thin tight end room right now, O'Grady would be a, a nice fit, um, you know, probably not going to be a starter in his first year because, you know, Ian Thomas – um, I'm a fan of Ian Thomas, and I think he can step up and fill in for Greg Olson. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember him coming out of Indiana a couple of years ago, but um, there he had his fans, and um, so I'll just be interested to see how he does in a bigger role. And um, you know, we have Chris Manhurst too, who's serves as more of a blocking tight end. So adding O'Grady, who's more of a you know do it all guy, you know, why not, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so that does it for our. Seven round mock. Um, I I like this draft overall. I don't know how you feel about it, as the Panthers. No, team, so oh, I, I feel like I, I,
1: Yeah, this would be ideal.
0: Yeah. All right. Nice. Um. So that's about it that we had planned for this episode. So, thank you guys for listening. Um. Again, make sure that you follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, I'm Alex Katzen at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K. Follow Tyler at Tyler Habersky. That's H A B U R S K Y. Um. Follow his podcast too at Panthers Brawl. Yep, nice. Um, yep. Follow Whole Nine all Sports right. at Whole Nine Sports. Follow Josh at Josh 611 Follow the show at WN Draft Pod. Make sure you leave a five star review wherever you're listening. We do appreciate all those. Um, go to wholeninesports dot Read our latest articles. Brandon just texted me about some huge project that he's putting out tomorrow that no one knows <laughs> about except him. So be on the lookout yeah. for that. Um, check out my mock draft, check out Tyler's mock draft with his all-name team (laughs) that he did with Jake Graff. Check out everything else that we've ever written, because all of it is really good. Um, Again, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time.